And welcome into Halftime Adjustments. I'm Jenna Harner, joined by Dane Kovacevic. Dane, we got a lot to talk about with the Penguins. We heard from Mike Sullivan earlier today, GM Jim Rutherford yesterday. Lots of emotion between the both of them. And there was a common theme, especially among what Rutherford was saying. This team has to make some changes. I know you've been kind of a key proponent of that when we talked on 11 on the ice and a lot of final word, I know all those types of shows that we've been doing. What are some of the changes that they need to make? Where do they start? Well, I mean, they start where they started, obviously. And that's, you know, the getting rid of the entire coaching staff. Uh, I didn't see that coming. I saw Mark Recchi going. Uh, I saw a very clear dissatisfaction with the state of the power play in particular, uh, the lack of imagination, the lack of direction, the lack of ideas that went into the power play. However, the rest of it, you're starting to get into some intangibles there because uh, Jacques Martin was responsible largely for the rotation of the defense from the bench perspective, as well as the penalty killing. And the PK for as long as Jacques's been here, has been very, very good. Um, and they've won championships with Jacques there. Um, so that, that part was uh, – didn't see that coming. And that makes me feel more like Jenna at the risk of overreading something that might not need to be overread, an indictment of how hard was the team pushed. When I think of the individual personalities involved, Jacques obviously has been a head coach in the NHL for a lot of years, but he's 67 and wasn't exactly going around peeling paint off the walls. Uh, Sergei Gonchar, uh, great defenseman, arguably Hall of Fame defenseman, also very soft-spoken. You know, Mark Recchi, literally Hall of Fame hockey player. Also, not exactly the kind to be getting confrontational and in people's faces. So maybe this was Jim Rutherford's way, and boy, was this completely Rutherford's call, incidentally, not at all Sullivan's, of saying, this isn't, this isn't good enough. Let's, let's start this over again. And we saw that emotion from Sullivan in his press conference that he gave earlier today where, I mean, he was – I mean, truly emotional. He really didn't have a lot of words about it. He could just kind of tell because these are guys that he's worked with for so long and guys that he's close with. He has, you know, true friendships with. So seeing that for sure was kind of, I mean, maybe it's just me because I've been here for a little bit of time here, but on a different side of Sullivan that we don't entirely see. But something that him and Jim mentioned was the fact that this team does need to get a little bit younger. We heard Jim kind of say, and it's something that you've mentioned too. I mean, how big of a factor really is that moving forward for this team here? Uh, I think it's everything. Uh, I don't think it's part of the discussion. I think it is the discussion. Um, when I looked at the difference between these two teams in this series, and again, as Rutherford went out of his way to point out, it's not just about the Montreal series. It's not about four games following a pandemic. It's also about the Islanders series last year. Uh, it's also about other spurts that they've had over the course of the past couple of regular seasons. Uh, this is a team that's getting old. And 
there is such a thing as hanging on too long, uh, even to a great group. And I think what you're going to see here is that they're going to be, in addition to pursuing whatever avenues are out there, and it's not easy to do in the NHL because there are not young free agents out there. Right? It's just not the way the system works. Uh, you have to get them yourself. You have to draft them. You have to bring them up. You have to raise them through the minor leagues or through the European leagues or through the Canadian junior leagues or whatever it is, and then get them to Pittsburgh uh, as complete products. It's not a fast product, a fast process. It just isn't. So these guys are going to have to look at the young players that they have currently, the ones that I've been talking about, the ones that I was singing about back during training camp. Uh, Sam Lafferty is, is one that jumps to mind, but it's not just him. Uh, Anthony Angelo is a young, younger player who never got a chance. Uh, Adam Johnson, I can't figure this one out at all. He's, he's, a, he's a young guy who can fly. He's, he's a skinny dude and everything, and I get it. He's going to get knocked around a little bit, but he's got good hands too. Has never really been given a chance by the organization. Instead, and this one's on Jim and nobody else, he goes out and gives a good draft pick away for a month and a half of Patrick Marlowe. That stuff's got to stop. I mean, that, that goes all the way up to the GM. That stuff's got to stop. They got to start hanging on to their draft picks and just generally getting younger. And there's a lot of talk about, you know, is the window closing, obviously, with the core guys that the team has, you know, we heard Sullivan at after the Montreal game, after the game four loss, he, him say, you know, of course you always look at those types of things, but we don't believe that it's closing. We still believe in this core. That's what Rutherford kind of echoed. But he also said, you know, we're not going to actively look to get rid of our core. Do you think that there's going to be a move involved here at all? Or again, is it kind of just, you know, more improbable than probable? Oh, no, they're, they're, I mean, they're going to trade Matt Murray. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, and I think you'll get something for him. I don't think it's going to be a mint, uh, bearing in mind that Murray's going to be a restricted free agent. Thus, you're, you're either doing a sign-and-trade, which would be awkward, or you're, doing, uh, you're trading his rights, which aren't as valuable as a player who has a known contract and a known budget. So it, you're going to move Murray, and you're going to be – letting guys walk away. I mentioned Marlowe, Connor, Sherry, uh, Nick Bugstad's got to get bought out at this point. I mean, he, the, his, the only injury he hasn't had yet is having an anvil fall on his head. Uh, they, they can very easily, I mean, Justin Schultz is obviously another one, especially after Rutherford publicly ripped him following the Montreal loss. They have, that's a quarter of the roster right there. I mean, talk about change. I mean, I just did that without even, you know, with, with only making one trade, just letting other people walk. So there's significant change coming. No, the core is not going anywhere. Well, you mentioned injuries coming up next. We're talking pirates and their slew. And I think slew might be an understatement. Yeah, of slew is low. <laughs> <laughs> Stick with us here on Halftime Adjustment. And welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. I'm Jenna Harner, joined by Dan Kovacevic. Dan, the Pirates, not only are they not great, they are not healthy. Uh, wow. I mean, they're the least healthy team in all of baseball. And when we say that, 
it's it's not the way it is with let's say for example the Marlins and the Cardinals. This is different. These are just baseball injuries, and they have a ton of them. They have more of them than any team in the majors right now. They have eleven players currently out. Eleven. And I am hearing from people when I say that, well, they would have stunk anyway. Give me a break. Look, three-fifths of the starting rotation is out. Three-fifths, 60%, if that didn't sink in the first two times. Uh, the top three relievers in the pen, the closer, Keone Kella, the setup guy, Kyle Crick, the kid who was burning it up, Nick Birdie, done for the year. That will crush any team anywhere. I'm not saying the Pirates were about to win their sixth World Series here, okay? But I am saying that that has a massive impact because this is a team that, as we witnessed firsthand and painfully so in 2019, has zero depth. Not some depth, not marginal depth, zero depth. And what happens when you put zero depth on the mound is you're going to get zero results arguably less than zero and that's what we've seen and it's been ugly and I think it's only going to get uglier but I really wish Jenna that more people would acknowledge that the injuries have had a big role in this because they, they have and just how deflating is that for the team overall because again no one expected this team to go out and win the world series any you know to that extent but there was going to be some sort of you know more than three wins <laughs> No, I mean, see, this is where it gets a little complex because the guys who I would say would be getting deflated in that situation additionally have not performed. And by that, I'm obviously referring to the top four guys in the batting order. There's nobody, not even the, the most ardent cynic regarding the Pittsburgh Pirates who would have predicted that all four of Brian Reynolds, Adam Frazier, Kevin Newman, and Josh Bell would struggle. It's insane that it's happened to all of them. Now, I understand, and I brought this up with Derek Shelton last week at PNC Park, and he said that, you know, that it is happening across baseball. We've seen that hitting is down in general. Uh, hitters are slow out of the shoot. That's a standard thing. If you go to a normal spring training, they always say the pitchers are, start out ahead of the hitters. So they don't have their timing down, whereas pitchers control the timing because they're the ones holding the ball. I get that. I also understand that it's the 12th of August, and this season's been going on for a while, and they did have a two-week camp, and it's time for the Pirates to start hitting the ball. It's time for them to start doing that, specifically tomorrow in Cincinnati. Hitters ballpark, they can put a couple of excuse-me home runs over those fences and start feeling a little bit better about themselves. Jenna, Brian Reynolds has no RBIs. It's the middle of August. And I, I know. I mean, this is the stuff that just makes – this season has been so bizarre. It's not just – I think some people just look at the payroll and go, oh, well, they were going to stink. There have been some other factors here. There have been so many factors. And like you mentioned, with the hitters needing to kind of catch up a little bit, that's been a message that, you know, the guys have been really stressing. And obviously, like you said, comes in a normal spring training scenario, we're in the middle of August. And it seems that with this team, when the bullpen isn't struggling, 
I mean, the offense has had its moments, but it doesn't seem like there's a game that we've seen, maybe one, where the hitting and the pitching have been cohesive. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's one of the old baseball things is, well, when we're hitting, we're not pitching. When we're pitching, we're not hitting. Um, I'm not willing to give them that much benefit of the doubt uh, because those, those have been kind of – the hitting has been so sporadic in particular. Um, that You know, when they put out – what was that the other day? 13 runs against the Tigers over 11 innings and still lost by four. Um, I mean, those are, those are just – those are the ones that if those happened on a regular basis, they'd be soul-crushing. I'll tell you what, there's not many games left in this short season. What I want to see – more than anything are, are, are two things. One, have the good players, the guys who are known to be good players, become good players again. I, I don't think that's asking a whole lot. The four guys that I mentioned, Jacob Stallings needs to hit again. Uh, Gregory Polanco needs to finally wake up his season. Uh, Colin Moran needs to get back to where he was about two weeks ago. And the starting pitchers, you know, Trevor Williams, he's going to be the guy that's taking the ball tomorrow night. Let's see him get back on the horse. The other thing, there are younger players in this Altoona satellite camp who are more talented, have way more potential than some of the guys that are up here now. Uh, Let's see them. They're not accomplishing anything at this satellite camp playing loose scrimmages come on up you know what the heck right get some experience bring them up give them a chance to show what they can do again why do i feel like we keep going back to talking about teams getting younger (laughs) well coming up in the next segment we're talking steelers defense and are there any weaknesses stick with us on halftime adjustments Welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. I'm Jenna Harner, joined by Dan Kovacevic. Dan, we talked hockey, we transitioned to baseball, and now football. It, I mean, it feels like it's right around the corner. We kind of get our own look at training camp starting next week, which is going to be uh, really exciting for sure. And it's going to be exciting to see Big Ben back on the field, but it's also going to be exciting to see this defense, the defense that was very solid last year and did a lot to carry what was a little bit of a struggling offense when Ben went down with the injury this year. Is there a Steelers defensive weakness? Is there something you can pinpoint? Do they have any? Do I dare say it that way? Oh, I I mean, it's not easy. I mean, the, the one personnel change of significance is obviously losing Javon Hargrave uh, through free agency to the Eagles. They did try to keep him. Uh, They did make a a contract offer. It wasn't enough. And what they have as a result is kind of a rotation on the defensive front. Uh, That's going to be necessary anyway for a couple of reasons. Uh, Cam Hayward coming off of his best year, uh, even at his age, at age 30, to, to be one of the top four or five defensive players at any position in the National Football League is just an immense credit to who he is and what he's all about. But he's not getting younger, to go back to the show's theme. <laughs> uh, Stefan it. it doesn't matter what age he is. He doesn't last a season. He gets hurt. Uh, I, I, I love the guy. I think the world of him. Uh, 
it, it, it hurts to see him miss the time that he's missed, but he does miss it. So if there's a spot, it sounds crazy to say that, it would be the defensive line considering Cam's performance and considering that Stefan, for the six games that he did play last season, was actually the Steelers' top-graded performer, even above T.J. Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick. It, it's nuts, but it's true. Uh, if those guys can stay on the field and get a good, healthy rotation, the Steelers did pick up Chris Wormsley from the Ravens. Uh, that's, a, that's a nice acquisition for them. Uh, he's a good supporting guy at this point of his career. Tyson Alualu. Um, Isaiah Bugs is a young guy that nobody ever talks about. He might have a tough time getting on the field, but maybe even in this abbreviated camp, he can get out there. I don't know. I, I, I'm, you can tell, and this is a good thing, I'm reaching for a weakness. Uh, but if if there's anything that's maybe of a concern, other than you know the standard answer, well, if so and so gets hurt, well, then depth. But you can say that about any position. Yeah. No, absolutely. And again, obviously injuries can play such a big role, but when you look at the personnel, if I would think I was reading and I want to make sure the stats correct, but I believe seven of the starters or the potential starters were all at some point a first round pick. So the, the talent, oh, obviously a, we know the pedigree. Yeah. And it's just fantastic. Who do you think kind of needs to have, I don't want to say a breakout year, but a very, very solid year. Is it Cam Hayward or is it another name? Well, uh... If, if you're talking about a, a, a breakout, I mean, everybody's got a different way of defining that. Mine has always been you you haven't made it to a certain level of your own ceiling yet and, and poking through that, that wall. And the, the guy that jumps out for me there is Terrell Edmonds uh, because he's part of a secondary where – Heck, you know, when you first asked that question about the weakness, I'm sure that almost everybody who was watching this was going, Terrell Edmonds, Terrell Edmonds. Yeah, Terrell Edmonds, absolutely him. Um, because he's been the, the one disappointment. Uh, First-round pick, you expect them to make plays. You don't expect them to be placeholders. You don't expect them to just do their jobs. You expect impact. Uh, and we haven't seen that from TE, and he knows that. He knows that he has to have his hand on the football more regularly. He knows that he has to produce turnovers and interceptions. Uh, the Steelers coaches through this camp have stressed that with him. I don't know that it needed to be stressed. I had a regular occurring dialogue with TE going back two seasons, but especially last year after every game, after every practice uh, that I would interact with him, I'd go, you know, how did it go? Meaning hand on the football. And he, you know, it's getting there. It's getting there. I'm, you know, I'm feeling it. It's right there. So it's not like he doesn't know. They were already telling him about it. Um, I wonder if he's not better suited being closer to the line of scrimmage the way we've seen with his brother in Buffalo, where you're up, you're up tight and you're just making tackles. But then, you know, the other safety, Minka Fitzpatrick, is a lot more dangerous when he's closer too because he's getting his, he's, he doesn't get his hands on the football. The football finds him. It's the other way around. So, you know, he's the guy. If T.E. takes a step up, it's, it's a big, big difference maker for this defense. And we heard from Steven Nelson yesterday, and he was telling us, you know, how the defense wants to take that next step. And it almost makes you look at him like, 
but you, you guys were what you were last year. This defense was very solid, but they believe, obviously, as you know, most athletes do, that there is so much more growth for them to have. Now, it was interesting because he was asked, you know, he kind of talked about how he was a little bit, he feels he's a little bit underrated. Do you kind of see that with Nelson at all? Oh, my goodness, yeah. I mean, he, he it depends on who's doing the rating, of course. Also, yeah. Uh, whenever you're doing the, the more advanced analytical stuff, uh, he he does extremely well. Uh, anytime you're a corner in the NFL and quarterbacks aren't throwing to you, the casual stats, the ones that we see a lot more often than not, aren't going to do anything for you because you're not getting interceptions. You're not getting passes defense. However, in the National Football League, they value that in a different way. Uh, that was the, the standard that Darrell Revis, uh, of course, the great uh, – the corner from, from Pitt and from Aliquippa had for many, many years in the NFL where no one threw to him. It was as if he just ate up, like he consumed an offensive player and all the rest of the defense had to do was worry about the other guys. Uh, so yeah, Nelson, Nelson's been underrated. No question. It's going to be exciting to see what this defense can do come next month. Crazy to think we're almost there. Well, we're going to check in with you and see what's going on at DKPittsburghSports.com coming up after the break. And welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. Dan, what's going on? What's new at DKPittsburghSports.com? Well, the new thing is the podcast. I mean, we've had them in the past. We never really pushed them the way we are now. We've never dropped them out and they – it's, it, you know, in any business, when you see a line that's kind of going like this, you get a little extra wound up and you, oh, people are actually listening to these things and they're downloading them. And, and, and that's been fun. And now we're going to be rolling out more team specific podcasts. I do one every Monday through Friday in the morning called Daily Shots. It's a lot of fun. I, I mean, that, that was the part that maybe I hadn't expected. I've done a, a fair amount of radio and TV in my life for being a writer. Uh, but I didn't know that the podcasts were going to be fun. They, they've been actually really, really cool. Seems like you guys are having a blast over mm -hmm. there. Well, we love to hear it. Thanks so much for joining us on Halftime Adjustments. Be sure to stick with us. We're always talking the latest topics and what's going on. Have a great night.